Good morning, everybody. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church. Thank you so much for joining us online again. And if you're new here, dropping in on our online service, a special welcome to you. We would love to get to know you better. And with this online format, what we need you to do is actually let us know you're here. Uh, lots of ways you can do that. You can comment on this video or send us a message or shoot us an email at hello at cedarvalley.ca. And in fact, Right now, one of the best ways to stay up to date with all the things going on around here at Cedar Valley, any updates that come along, uh, head over to cedarvalley.ca. You'll find out lots of information. You can sign up for an email newsletter and follow us on Facebook or Instagram because we post there, well, sometimes, but we're getting better at it. So last week, we got the chance to congratulate Joseph and Sarah Sherman on the birth of their son, Jacob, born May 16th. Congrats guys, we're super excited. A bunch of us were able to get together, form a parade and head over to their house and make a bunch of noise, probably bothering a newborn a little bit. But nonetheless, uh, we got a chance to wish them well, bless them, pray for them. And we're just so excited that you're here in the world uh, with us, Jacob. This morning, we're gonna be led in a couple of worship songs. There'll be lyrics on the screen so you can join in, sing along at home, uh, however you feel comfortable. We just uh, yeah, are excited to engage together singing. After that, we have an awesome lesson and activity for the kids from Pastor Doug, and we're following that up with a message and closing prayer from Pastor Rob. And so that's our Sunday stuff. Throughout the weeks, uh, at least up until now, our kids programs and youth ministries have still been going on strong. Uh, Wednesday nights, Awana is just, is just wrapping up. Youth has a couple more evenings to go until we wrap up, but we're meeting online on Zoom or Facebook or whatever it takes. We're still engaging in those communities together and having a ton of fun. Most of those evenings require activities to keep it lively and spicy, either crafts or goofy games or experiments, whatever, you name it. Youth, we've done some gross makeup tutorials. Uh, I know Juan has been doing some crazy scavenger hunts all the time. And a lot of that is made possible by our amazing team of volunteer leaders who are still serving with us, energized and flexible as we do all these different transitions. And you know what, a lot of this too is made possible by your support, church. Uh, your continued giving and your prayers for us help make these ministries thrive. We can keep serving and growing these communities that get to learn about and develop their relationships with God. So thank you so much for that. And we're having a lot of fun doing it too. Anyways, with all that, here's a question I have for you right now. The internet has been flooded with awesome kids games and crafts and activities. And so what we need is if you're watching live, adults, here's a time for you to be honest, right? And fess up a bit. What are some of these activities, these kids games, we'll call them, or kids activities that you've tried out at home that you secretly loved? Share them in the comment section because you know what? I would love a few more fun things to do and uh, we're gonna go on with the service. Thanks for joining us.
Good morning, Cedar Valley. Welcome to our living room and to this time of worship together. I don't know about you, but often when I'm praying, I find myself asking God to change situations that are going on in my life. And this song that we're about to sing with you has been challenging me in this. Um, to quote Micah Tyler, the writer of this song, I'm finding out that sometimes the best question is not, Jesus, can you change these things around me, but rather, God, can you change me so that I can handle the things you're walking me through? Whatever we're going through right now, I pray that we have the strength to depend on, to depend on our God that can shape us to be more like him. Let's sing together. Cause I 
Hey there, Cedar Valley kids. Welcome to Bible Adventures. We are going to have a great time learning about the Bible together. Now, there's a few things that we're going to need as we learn about this Bible story. So these are some of the things that hopefully you have already on the table or the floor or the counter. And let's get ready to go. First of all, a plate or a low pan to catch all of the stuff that's going to overflow because it will. Also, a clear glass or container like this with about one cup of water in it and then one cup of vinegar. About a tablespoon of popping corn kernels, unpopped, or you can also use brown rice or instant white rice. Then you will need one tablespoon of baking soda. And lastly, if you want to little, add, add a little bit of color to our experiment, a little bit of food coloring for a drop or two a little bit later on. Now that we've all got all of these things, we are set to go. But first, I want to tell you about a man named Asaph. Pastor Rob is going to be preaching from one of his books that he wrote in just a few moments. But let me tell you a bit about him. Asaph lived about 3,000 years ago. He loved music and he wrote lots of poems and songs and he also wrote the music to a lot of the poems that King David wrote. Asaph, he was the worship leader in King David and King Solomon's church for over 40 years. That is pretty cool. Also, he taught a music school to lots and lots of students and his kids, they were part of the worship team that played in the church as well. And Asaph's specialty that he played really well, he played the cymbals. It says that he was really good at it. And he also wrote a bunch of the Psalms in the Bible as well. Now Asaph used his love for music to serve God and to serve others. And you know what? Even when people around him, they stopped trusting in God, Asaph kept leading worship because he loved and found so much joy of serving God with what God had created him to do. And it says in the book of Psalms and in the book of Chronicles that when people worship God, they raise their hands, they bow down low to the ground, and they would even dance. How cool is that? So, this is where our supplies come in. We're going to see if we can get these kernels of corn or the rice to do a little bit of dancing on their own. Check this out. So, pour, if you haven't already, pour your cup of water into your glass right here like that. And then add your vinegar. Ooh, that's pretty close to the top there. That's going to create quite a reaction. Now, take your kernels of corn or your rice and just kind of pour them in there and see what happens. Nothing. No praise in God yet. Well, we've got one more thing to add. We're going to add a little bit of this baking soda and see what happens. So we'll just kind of add a little bit of a at a time. Kind of pour it in here and Oh, there we go. Overflowing with praise. You know what? You might want to have a, towel, have a towel around. I should have said that before, just to wipe up any spills. But let's watch. And it overflows. Now, notice what's happening. 
all of our kernels in there are rising from the bottom of the cup up to the top, and now they're dropping back down again. And while they do that, and they're just getting warmed up for worship here a little bit, I'm going to put just maybe a drop of food coloring in there. And as they get together, and as they start to worship, check it out. You can see them, and it's almost like the corn or the rice or whatever you have in there is as they're praising God, they're going from the bottom down worshiping, their hands down low, they're putting their hands up high, they're praising God, and they're starting to dance around. And as you let this go, as we let this go, this is going to go more and more, and they're going to go up and down as they praise God. Now, as our kernels or our rice continue to praise God in this really cool worship service that we've created for them, I have a couple of questions for you. What is it that you like to do? What is it that you're really good at? You know what? God created you with this special ability and talent to do some pretty cool stuff. And do you know that it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 that you were created to do good things? God had something in mind for you when he created you about doing incredible things. So, do you like to read? Well, maybe you could write poems or songs that would bring glory and praise to God. How cool would that be? Or how about, do you like to color? Or maybe do you like to paint? Oh, you can make some beautiful artwork that would really, really encourage people when they look at it and bring glory to God and how creative He is and He's made you. Do you like to build things? I bet some of you do. And you're probably pretty, getting pretty good at it already. Well, you can build beautiful buildings. Maybe for the church for people to worship in or maybe homes for people to live in. And when you create these things, you would be giving glory to God. How about things like maybe even adding or subtracting numbers? Are you good at math? Well, you know, we need people who are really good at math to keep order of all of the things in the world. And you could do that and give glory to God as you organize numbers and things like that. How about if you like to bake or cook delicious food? Oh, man, you could serve people food and that would bring glory to God. Do you know right downtown, there's a place, Hope Central, and people go there every week, every day, and they serve people food who are really hungry and don't have enough money for their own food. What a way to bless God. Or how about if you like to sew a little bit, maybe your mom is teaching you, or do some knitting or stitching? Well, you could design and create clothes that would clothe people. Do you know that there's ladies that come to the church here every month, and they sew blankets to give them away to people who are cold, and they need a warm blanket. Oh, so many of these cool things to do. And you know what? We don't do things just because we're good at it. But we do them because God created us to do these good things, to serve Him and also to help others. So, here's my challenge to you. Well, your parents are going to watch Pastor Rob preach about Asaph and, the book that he, and one of the books that he wrote. What I want you to do is I want you to write down something that you're good at, that you like to do, 
And then also write down, how do you think maybe that God could use that, that how you could serve God by doing that? Now, if you're too young, if you're too little to write words yet, I want you to draw a picture of something that you like to do and how God can use that to bring glory to him and this world. So that's something that you can do. Now take a look again. And oh, my colonels, they're still dancing. They are worshiping God. They're going up, praising God, and they're going down in worship. And they're going to keep doing that for a while. And maybe this will help us remember that what we do brings praise and glory to God. Just by these simple kernels or these, these pieces of rice that you have in your jar. Thanks for listening. It's been great having this Bible story time together with you, and we will see you next week. Bye. So we, um, we had an undefeated season. Uh, we hadn't lost a match all year which, of course, is the very definition of an undefeated season. I just thought it was worth repeating. Sure, we, we dropped a few sets along the way, but we didn't lose any three sets out of five matches all year, including our playoff run to the district championship. We were playing in that championship our arch nemesis, John F. Ross. I was in grade 11. I was the strong side attacker on my high school volleyball team, which was saying something actually because you could barely see light between the ground and my shoes when I jumped. I, I, I had a terrible vertical. My coaches would prod me, jump higher, like somehow the mere suggestion of that was what it took by sheer force of will to make me jump higher. But what I lacked in jumping ability, I made up for in pure, somewhat misguided power. Every time I went up to hit, to strike the ball, to spike it, I, I blasted away, closing my eyes and trying to pick my spots on the court at the same time. I don't know how I did that, but I did. Uh, and I mostly loaded the ball up with all kinds of topspin and aimed for the outside hands of the blocks, forcing them to block me. My theory was simple. I'll just pound the ball so hard that the blockers will be overcome by my awesome strength. It was high school. And it worked for the most part. We were up two sets to none in the finals. And then we began to unravel. We got nervous and there's no other way to put this than we choked. We lost the next three sets in a row. We lost the championship match. And it was no consolation that we'd been undefeated all year to that point. Loss is difficult to live with, and we have lost much during this pandemic. Dr. Henry Cloud suggests that we've suffered four main losses. Connection, structure, 
control and productivity. And what he means is this, that this pandemic has blown apart our sense of relational connectedness through death and isolation, that this pandemic has disrupted the rhythms in our lives, and we need routines. That this pandemic has made our choice-making ability very difficult, and it has sabotaged our ability to make choices, which goes against our grain as image-bearing choice-makers. And that our sense of productivity, uh, it's shot right through. That we are working really hard, but we feel like we're getting half as much done. Are you feeling it? These are real losses worthy of lament. Not something to get over, but something to move on from. This said, we are only emotionally healthy people when we emote, when we feel things in ways that reflect reality. When we suffer loss, it's appropriate to feel disorientation and grief and sadness. When we are hugged by a loved one, it's appropriate to feel gladness and happiness and warmth. When the Canucks lost the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals to the Bruins, it was appropriate to mourn that loss, unless, of course, you were a Bruins fan. It wouldn't make sense to be happy over a tough loss any more than it would make sense to be sad over a positive gain. Neither are linked to reality. The, po the point is this, that it is appropriate to lament, to express prayers of pain and confusion and anger about how difficult things are and what's wrong with the world and to ask God to do something about it during this time of loss, during seasons of loss like this. These are the kinds of prayers we find in books 1, 2, and 3 in the book of Psalms. And if you would, please turn there to Psalm chapter 73. I had a tough weekend uh, last weekend. So when I opened my Bible up to book number 3 of the Psalms and began my reading in Psalm 73, it was like God met me right where I was at. It read in verse 21 when I got there, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I, I could only see my losses and my troubles last weekend. My head was down. I was focused on what I didn't have versus what I was blessed with what I am blessed with. Asaph's troubles were different. Uh, Asaph, the writer of Psalm 73, one of King David's choir directors for worship in the temple at Jerusalem, was preoccupied with the wealth of the wicked over his poor lot in life. He, he envied them and went on to tell himself all kinds of things about them that just weren't true. Things like, they have no struggles. Verse 4, 
They are free from the burdens of common man. Verse 5, always carefree, they increase in wealth. Verse 12, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure, he laments in verse 13. His perceived loss was a, why bother, loss. Why bother keeping my heart pure when wicked men prosper? Like, what's the point? But Asaph caught himself at this point in the psalm as he wrote it. But even at the beginning of it, he acknowledges in verses 1 and 2, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, this is the acknowledgement here, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. In other words, he had nearly veered from the path of truth and godliness, but he caught himself. So, how did he do that? He went to church. Seriously. He entered the sanctuary of God, says verse 17. He, in other words, connected with God. He connected with eternity, something that made him understand the end of the wicked and the start of who he was. He got some perspective. Surely, this is verse 18 now, you place them, he says, you know, those guys Asaph describes earlier as struggle-free and burden-free and care-free and sugar-free. Just kidding about the last one. Wanted to see if you were paying attention. Surely, you place those guys on slippery ground. Interesting. Asaph has seen himself as almost slipping in verse 2, but now grounded in prayer and worship and in the word of God, in the sanctuary, he sees the wicked are, in fact, the ones on slippery ground. So he says in verses 19 and 20, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them, I love this, as fantasies. And then the verse that got me started on Monday of this week, when my heart was grieved, I was senseless and ignorant. But now I see, Asaph says, Asaph sees and confesses. He tells the truth, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Asaph affirms here that not only is God always with him, but that he, in spite of his doubts, and in the end, is always with God. Who else? Whom have I in heaven but you, he says, and earth, has nothing I desire besides you. Verse 25. Let the wicked have the slippery ground and temporary wealth of this earth we might interpret. For Asaph, though, for those who love God, we can say, you hold me with your right hand. We choose to believe this. 
you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Verses 23 and 24. So how can we move on from our losses in a healthy way as opposed to telling ourselves to just get over it? Well, Dr. Cloud suggests that we safely connect with people as often as we can, that we establish some new rhythms, that we focus on what we can control to compete against any learned helplessness we may be feeling and to trust God with the rest, and that we celebrate work accomplishments and positive contributions. What does Psalm 73 seem to suggest? Here are two takeaways from the passage today. The first is this, name your losses. Asaph lost perspective. Life and the apparent success of the wicked had crowded in on him. Life and the power of pandemic has crowded in on us. So let me ask, so that you can name, what is it that you've most missed? The freedom of meeting with people, hugs, handshakes, high fives, the freedom of just being able to go somewhere to do something, travel, cross-border shop, go out to dinner, the freedom to participate in large group gatherings, sporting events, concerts, church, don't ignore it. Don't minimize it. Don't skip over it. Don't laugh it off. These are real losses worthy of lament. Feel their loss. It echoes reality. Cry out to God about them. He is at. He has our right hand. Ask him to help you move on from these losses. And then secondly, Step into what you value. It's easy to get stuck in feeling our losses and lamenting the times that we are in, but no one wants to live this way. Asaph didn't. He moved. He went to church. He did something different than what he was doing. And in case you're saying, well, we can't go to church, we are doing church. He put himself somewhere where he could step into what he most valued, his relationship with God. I mean, listen to him. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And then in verses 26 and 28, my flesh and my heart may fail. And they, they did for him. And so do ours from time to time. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. What do you value most? God, family, friends, work. Do you move yourself to spend time in these relationships? One of the best things about this season has been that we have spent so much time with our kids. Josh came home from Ontario because of COVID. And Kaylee came home early from school because of COVID. We have had meal after meal together, bikes and hikes and walks together, and lots of movie watching together. This 
is the last season of us four. COVID may have caused us to be together, but we have chosen, we have moved to spending time together because it's such a high value for all of us. Name your losses. Step into what you value. We named our loss that grade 11 volleyball season. It took some time to get over it, and I'm not sure I'm over it yet even, but we didn't let it name us. That same team went on to play volleyball again the next year because we just love the game. I didn't stay stuck last weekend, though I wished I didn't stay stuck as long as I did. Things began to lift for me when I read book three on Monday morning, when I stepped into the sanctuary. How can we move on from our losses in a healthy way? Name your losses and step into what you value. Let's pray. Father, we choose to believe that you are holding our right hand. And in that, we even sort of um, doubt that or feel more strongly about that some days than others. Help us to have a, a sense of your presence. You are in our lives. You are God Emmanuel. You are in our very being as spirit. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to have this abiding sense that you won't let us go, that you have never left us, you will never forsake us, that you are with us until the end of our days, and that you see those days. Help us to be honest about what we've lost, Father, to name it, to feel it, to not, to not deny it or suppress it or push it down or to get over it. Because I think intuitively we, we, we know that's not healthy. And what we know from psych-social literature is it's not healthy. But help us to not stay there either and just be embittered by it and develop a victim mentality. Like, why did this happen to me? Why did I lose that? That's not going to help us. Help us to lay hold by faith that you're pulling us into the future. Help us to choose to step into our values and find you there around the important things in our lives that give us life and, and live the kinds of values that we would choose as core to who we are in relationship with you and with others, and as a kindness to ourselves. In the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in, Cedar Valley. Have a great week.